from Relay FM, this is Connected, episode number 75. Today's show is brought to you by Ministry of Supply and Igloo. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hello, Stephen Hackett. Hello, Michael Hurley. And Mr. Federico Vitici. Uh, buonasera to you. Oh, buonasera, guys. That, How are you? I went with that. I have no That could mean, like, happy car. That was nice. For all I know. Was it good? No, no, no. It, it was good, Mike. Well done. I'm very proud of myself right now. Yeah, you should be. Let's put a pen in it and do some follow-up. In the follow-up section of the show today, we are returning to uh, a whole smattering of past topics, really. Starting off with Sonos, uh, we got some feedback that we potentially glossed over how Sonos actually works. Uh, Magic! Next point, please. Yes, done. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So it does... It does stream from your phone if you're using local files like I am. I don't have an Apple Music or Spotify collection or anything. So it is streaming music from my phone. But if you do use a service like that, uh, you go into the Sonos app and say, hey, play uh, this album from Apple Music. And then if your iPhone gets smashed, it can still play because the Sonos is actually talking to those services directly. And the phone is really just a controller at that point, if that makes sense. So it's kind of like Chromecast then. Yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of a hybrid of that and AirPlay, depending on what you're doing. Right. Um, and it's uh, like the Apple Music stuff is still definitely in beta. Um, so, like, what's happening then is you're on your phone in the Sonos app and you're looking at Apple Music, right? And you say, "I want to play this song," and then the Sonos goes to a URL. Like, you're, you're triggering the Sonos to reach a URL at Apple's server, right? And then it plays the right. music. Okay. Yeah, that's my understanding. Yeah. So it's you're not streaming it, right? It's only- Could you turn it off? Could you turn your phone off and the music keeps going? I would assume so. Yes. Huh. So it's got a mind of its own. That thing. System audio is completely separate from the Sonos stream. Like right. you can receive phone calls, you can watch a YouTube video, and the uh, the Sonos doesn't care. So yeah. Huh. Well, there you go, magic. Yeah, I've been getting some errors personally. Um, I assume that's just. Uh, just uh, one of the system limitations uh, when you download uh, Apple Music tracks offline. Uh, I tried to play them on the Sonos and it gave me a DRM error. So yay DRM. And uh, the second point I assume is just one of those issues with uh, streaming services when you cache a uh, track offline. Uh, it's in a protected uh, you know, file type and it cannot be streamed. I kind of wish Sonos was able to work around this. Maybe that's the reason why this is a beta. You know, maybe eventually they will be able to to stream even the, the, the cached uh, tracks from Apple Music. Right now, I'm, wh- all I'm doing is I just uh, look for a, for a song with a universal search in the Sonos app, which is really nice now that I've added a bunch of services like SoundCloud and... Uh, an Apple Music, I can look at, you know, uh, like the other day I was looking for a, for a remix of a, of a song and instead of having to, you know, jump to the SoundCloud app or looking on YouTube, I could have a, like a unified search in the Sonos app, which was really nice. Um, maybe in the future we'll get a proper DRM playback for <laughs> offline tracks. Right now I get a, uh, quite a few errors if I try. Well, it's uh, beta. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what happens? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we spoke also about uh, the desire to listen to, say, Overcast or Pocket Cast or, or some other audio 
service or app that's not part of the Sonos ecosystem. And uh, we're going to point people to a page over on GitHub. Uh, uh, this guy's put together Air Sonos, which is basically a package that you run on your Mac. It has a bunch of dependency stuff. Like you've got to install uh, Node.js on your Mac, which is uh, super exciting if you haven't done that. And it basically turns your Mac into an AirPlay device that then streams over to the Sonos. So uh, in my house, I've got this set up on a Mac Mini that I have running, and I go to AirPlay on my phone, and it says Kitchen Sonos, and it just AirPlays via the Mac. And it's it gets the job done. There's definitely a delay. It definitely at times can be a little heavy-handed on the Mac's processor, but it, it works. And so I've been listening to podcasts in the kitchen doing dishes and that sort of stuff from overcast and it's 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 not ideal but it's better than than nothing and uh so yeah if if you're after that sort of solution then i think Arizona's it's definitely the best one that i've tried so far seems dangerous that's fine yeah, it took me a while to install uh this thing on my mac are you trying to do it on your iphone is that the problem no, no, no! I needed to open the terminal and type in a bunch of commands, uh, and they were like, they were like all text flowing down the screen. It was uh, like the Matrix. It was like the Matrix, <laughs> only uglier and without Keanu Reeves. And more scary. And it was like uh, at some point it gave me an error because I forgot to uh, authenticate as a super user, whatever. Um, it's been years since I've been doing this stuff. Uh, eventually, it worked, and it streams. Fine. I mean, you just need to open the terminal and type Air, Air Sonos and enter, and it creates an, an AirPlay instance. And uh, the only problem, if you want to call it so, is that there's like a, a delay between tapping and uh, like a track and getting the stream to play, uh, like uh, one to two seconds. It's no big deal, and it works fine. Uh, but you know, I wouldn't expect more from this kind of workaround. So I would count that as a success steven thank you for for noticing this you bet you bet i played with a couple things and a lot of them have been uh, not updated in a while one basically would work unless you were running el capitan which was a problem but um but it gets the job done and i feel like if you're nerdy enough to have a sonar speaker and want airplay then this is not like too far off the reservation to try so yeah uh, so that'll be in the show notes also, uh, talking about Night Shift, we spoke about that uh, last week in depth, and uh, we got some some feedback from people saying that they've tried it in the beta and then have gone and installed Flux on their Mac, like not realizing how great it was, which I, I found pretty funny. But the, the new 9.3 developer beta has Night Shift in Control Center, which is interesting. It's the first time I believe we've seen Control Center see really any change in a while. Uh, yeah. Did, I, I'm on the public beta, so I haven't seen this. Um, have you guys played with this yet? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, it's nice that you can uh, control the night shift uh, activation from Control Center. I'm not sure about the design of the icons. Uh, it's kind of all over the place right it's now. Creepy. The control, Yeah, the Control Center design is kind of inconsistent in many, many ways. Uh I assume there's going to be changes in iOS 10. I mean, really, Control Center has been, since iOS 7, has been the perfect candidate for 
uh, extensions, you know, for developers to be able to say, I want to offer a toggle for Control Center. Right now, you cannot customize anything of Control Center. I assume it's coming eventually, as I tweeted yesterday. Uh, right now, the design of the icons at the top, at the bottom, and it, you know, it's kind of a mixed bag, I would say, uh, but it's useful. I, I'm not sure about the the eye icon. Uh, yeah. it, the, the lamp that the few tech blocks uh, posted from the Canadian Apple website was, was much nicer. Um, I assume that maybe the reason Apple used an eye is because every human being has an eye and not every human being has a lamp. Uh, that's my only explanation. Anyway, it works okay. It works okay. Uh, we'll see how it goes. I was just playing around with this yesterday evening and it was at night and I hit the button so I had night shift on and I hit the button to turn it off and my eyeballs nearly exploded. Yeah. As it changed yeah. from from uh the orange to blue light. It really is such a big difference once you get used to it. It's crazy. It's crazy when you think about the fact that during the day you see that blue light, but no as soon problem. as it as soon as it gets darker, it's like, oh my god, what are you doing? Screen, mm -hmm. stop it. <laughs> You're too blue. Uh it's like a smorph screen. Really, it's awful. Uh so yay for night shift. Not sure about the icon, but whatever. Uh as soon as it saves us time, I'm okay with the with the creepy eye. Yeah, I, I guess my question is why, you know, under what circumstances would you turn it off? And the only thing I came up with was if you're watching video and it and it looks strange. But, you know, past that, I really don't see me like going in and turning this on and off a bunch over time. But but I don't know, maybe maybe that'll prove differently once it's once it's out. And especially I, I'm not running on the iPad yet. Maybe on the iPad it's more noticeable, but on the phone, I've been perfectly content just to let it do its thing and run on its own schedule, and it's been it's been pretty great so far. Yeah, I like it. All right, uh, Mike. There are mm -hmm. two things in here I want to talk to you about next. One, mm -hmm. this domain uh, that you were using for your Tumblr, <laughs> and number two, uh, this post on your Tumblr that uh, is going to uh, people are going to have feelings about. So, so what what have you done? All right, so. The best way for me to describe this is to go backwards. So, oh, yeah, okay. I, I bought some stickers. Uh, I I think I mentioned this at some point. I was on Sticker Mule. I was looking at their marketplace, and they have a cool, bunch of great designs. So I bought a big pack of stickers, and they arrived yesterday. And these stickers were specifically purchased for me to put on my iPad Pro because it was looking a bit barren, and I wanted to to update it. So I did that. I took a picture of it. Um, I put it on Instagram, but I also put it on my, my Tumblr blog so I could put some links uh, so people could go get the stickers for themselves um, because I figured people would want to do that. And then, I mean, I, I own MikeWasRight.com and I believe, if my memory serves, it was transferred to me from Carl's the Grey. <laughs> what? I th I, if memory serves, he... <laughs> bought this domain and transferred it to me i think maybe i don't know that seems to be at least my own headcanon that i've created Perfect. and when i when i tweeted the link out to this i knew that people were going to get angry about the stickers because some people basically people either love them or they think that i'm some sort of devil so i decided that instead of using the imike.co domain i would use in a very subtle trolling way michaelsright.com for just that domain because it would forward and then I was talking to Casey and he just was kind of like, why don't you just embrace it? So I have, and now my Tumblr blog is MikeWasRight.com. And that's, and it says Mike was right, right at the very top. I'm embracing my personal brand. Yeah, you're really going for, for the brand here, mm -hmm. Mike. It is very, I like uh, that. that 
that green is very bright. It, it's uh, it's very catching. Yeah, I like it. So this uh, the sticker deal. Uh huh. Can, can we talk about this picture? It's like the elephant in the in the room. What's going on here, Mike? Why? What's wrong with it? It's awesome. Oh, okay. So I uh, I think we should have like a sticker made that only says intervention, and then I'm gonna, you know, send it to you. Seriously and- though, like I know we're kidding, but I don't know why people get so mad. Like, it, because they- it's messy. No, man, but that's great. I don't like it when people line all their stickers up. I like the kind of higgledy piggledyness, and also this device is, doesn't have one orientation, so you can't have the stickers in one orientation. They've got to be all over the place. So whatever way you're looking at it, it kind of all levels out. You know that I that I also, uh, I think I'm the opposite as you. I, for me, having stickers or complex backgrounds on my phone, eventually, it only gives me mental fatigue. I changed my iPhone's background again to be a simple black wallpaper because i don't want to think about the responsibility of figuring out what's the best wallpaper for me similarly i wouldn't be able to cope with the idea of which stickers do i like the most and where do i want to place them and so to me looking at i mean this sort of collection of stickers it makes me anxious in in like it's it feels like another thing that i need to manage and it's fascinating to me that you're the exact opposite when it comes to, you know, I don't know. I, I guess that when people like, I wouldn't say make fun of this, but when people almost can't believe what you're doing, it's because they come from a similar place as, as I do, uh, which is I looking at this visual, uh, how can you say that? Delight. Uh, it's n- like a buffet of... <laughs> colors and imagery it's, it's like an explosion yeah. of glue and colors but you see this is like me right this is how i look at this stuff so like these stickers these are things that i do these are things that i love and i do and love many things and this like the sticker thing for me is like it's just a way for me to express myself and so that's mm-hmm. why i do it yeah like, there's yeah, a bunch I- of things on here like except my ipad my macbook has got even more of them, right? And it's it's more covered. And over time, what I expect is you will not see a piece of that gray on the on the iPad. I'll cover the entire thing. I, I stick stickers over stickers. Like, I just... it's For me, it's like, this is just stuff about me. This is stuff that I love. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. an extension of, of who Mike is. Yeah, you're one of those colorful persons. Yeah, like, man. there's Sylvia's aunt. She has a, a fridge full of magnets. And there's like yeah. hundreds of magnets. My grandma has one. I have to bring her back a magnet from every place I visit. I, I just look at that fridge and I worry. Like, what I, about? I don't know. It makes me. It makes me worry inside. I don't know why. Yeah, it's having like this I, conversation with you is is showing me that you are one of the people that complains, but you just don't complain because we're friends. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't complain. I love you, Mike. You're one of the people that that sends me tweets and they're like. What's wrong with you? How can you live with no. yourself? That's the no, type of stuff that, that I get. People get really mad. And I must <laughs> yeah, point I everyone back to that Apple ad with the with the MacBook. You remember yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. The MacBook sticker ad? No, it's not that I that I don't know how you can live with yourself as much as uh as I think about myself and, and what like I'm I'm curious to you know what's the what's the, the process that's happening inside my brain that makes me anxious when I look at such a picture or the fridge with the magnets. 
like I'm more worried about myself than you, Mike. The in, thing in, is, in, like, if, I think it's a difference in people, just the way that they are. Like, I am very much um, a person who likes organized chaos. So, like, mm. my idea of tidy is different to other people's idea of tidy. Okay. I think like, we're going somewhere here. Yes. For me, it's like I know where everything is. Right. That that's mm. kind of my idea of tidy is everything has its place. But when people look at it, like you look at my desk and it looks like it's just completely messy. But I know one hundred percent where everything is on this desk because I have arranged it. Okay. There's just lots of stuff on it. To me, tidy isn't uh-huh. nothing. It's just everything being in its right place. So every day, either before I start working or before I go to sleep, if the objects in my house or in my room aren't completely placed precisely mm-hmm. on a desk, like nothing is out of place, nothing is like in a oblique position, everything has to be either upright or flat on a desk with no mess, yeah. I just feel... um I just feel sticky. I just feel like something's wrong, stressed. I feel very stressed. If like, like I'm looking at my desk right now and my MacBook isn't precisely upright <laughs> and, and it just makes me, like, I don't know, I feel like a niche, you know? We are clearly so, built very differently, but I have to yes. just note one thing that Stephen is conspicuously silent. Uh, well, I've tried the sticker thing, uh, but... You were putting stickers on laptops before me. Uh, I was, yeah. not to this extent, and I have since recovered from my... Um, you relapse, though. Stickering ways. I have no stickers on my laptop or you my will iPad. You Eventually, sticker-free. Uh, and if I did, um, it is... I try to be much, uh, neater than they what are you're neat. doing, so... So maybe I'm in between the two of you, but um, what I say, Mike, is that if that makes you happy, then you should do it, because YOLO. And I also just want to say the Vitici seal of quality, I don't have any more of those. I've had people asking me, I don't have any. Like I think oh, it yeah. might have been my last one. What a great sticker. I definitely yeah. have like 50 like right in this desk I'm sitting at. <laughs> well, I want some, so you got okay. to give me that. I'll make that happen. Um, and... Uh, Really, the question for me, and I I know what the answer is, uh, but just for the record, if you have a new sticker come into your life, mm-hmm. uh, how do you handle that? It goes. What do you do? What's What do you mean? Like, so I I receive a new sticker. Yes. Well, and that that you want on the iPad, I put it on. So you just uh, layer it on. Yeah, I would. Put, I'd I'd stack them. You can see they're already starting to stack. BB-8s over BMO's face. As a yeah, he's kind of eating his antenna, which is very concerning to me. <laughs> Someone called it robot love. It's true, man. Let's scan it down. What's up with the monkey and the jacket? The monkey is a CGB Grey sticker. Okay. The jacket is part of that whole little set of Back to the Future iconography. Okay. So the little uh, round robot, that's Star Wars. It's BB-8. Then there's, there's like a fake Game Boy. That's BMO from Adventure Time. Okay, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, right. There's like a spaceship. That's the Millennium Falcon. Well, it depends what spaceship you mean. There's the Space Shuttle and also the Millennium Falcon. The one next to the Apple? Yes, yeah, the Millennium Falcon. I do love the, the threes one, the yep. Macintosh, the Apple. Yep. You see that slack one underneath the pen thing? That's made out mm-hmm. of wood. That's actually wooden. It's raised. 
That's pretty yeah, crazy. I mean, some of these are really nice. I love them. They're, yeah. Well, and oh, uh, the camera is also from Back to the Future. The video camera, yeah. 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 All okay. of those little things around there are from the same sticker set. So the sunglasses and the cassette player. Okay, I see. Well, Mike, as long as you're happy, uh, I am. I'm also happy for you. I am. I have to just mention as well, uh, Kieran uh, via Twitter sent me a link to something which is completely in my wheelhouse. It is a sticker subscription service called uh, Slap. To st- well, their URL is Slap to Stick or something. It's like Slap Slap Stickers is the name of the company. They're working with a bunch of great designers that I really like, and I have signed up for a subscription, so I look forward to receiving new stickers every single month, which is going to be a horrifically difficult thing for me to deal with. <laughs> so you have to buy another computer. I'm going to have to, like, I'm not going to put any on my iMac, but I'm going to have to find somewhere else to put them. Well, you still have the Mac Pro. You could just cover that stickers. Yeah, that that will make it sell easier, right? Yeah. Please, if anybody wants to buy a Mac Pro, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, while we're on the the topic of uh, crippling sadness, has Google yep. Docs been updated for iOS nine? What do you think? Yes. No. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Late breaking news. <laughs> no, it hasn't, guys. Uh, no. Why are we even talking about this? Because we have again? to now. It's a it's a tradition. If nothing ever changes, are you supposed to keep waiting? Probably. What else are you going to do? Just let it go, Mike. All right. Mm. I hope business runs in there. I mean, I'm fine using it, right? Like, it annoys me, but I still use it every day. Like, I can get by. I'm I'm, I'm working around it, you know? It just surprises me. You've been putting so much effort into Uh working on the iPad, Uh and yet, you still cope with Google Docs. Not well, I can't working. do nothing, right? Because nobody yes, provides... Yes, you can. No. Who's going to give me the spreadsheet functionality like Google Sheets does? Excel. With sharing and real-time collaboration? Do no. you really collaborate with on yeah. spreadsheets? Uh-huh. Yes. Me and Stephen do, basically okay. every week. Okay. The, the, fundamentally, I like I have my systems and workflows built around the way that Google Docs and Sheets and Drive work and... I can get by with it. The the uh, what do they call it? Slide over. When you yeah, when you, yeah slide over is my friend. Like I work with slide over a lot, and where I would want to be doing split view. It's not ideal, but it works for me. Like I haven't got uh, another solution which can give me everything that I need in the way that I'm used to doing it. And at this point, right now, I don't want to have to recreate my system somewhere else. Well, you know, I told you I'm weak fundamentally, and so I. I started using Quip with yeah, Fraser but, uh, this week. The thing is, like, I've used Quip. <laughs> we used Quip for a long time. And Quip is weird in its own ways. And I prefer Google But it works Google Docs. with Split View. Yeah, but, you know, what are you going to do? Like, it's not as good as Google Docs. And it doesn't have spreadsheet functionality. I, I want it all in one place. I'm confident that it is going to be updated. It <laughs> just <laughs> may Com- take another yes. six months. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, you know. Um, I really don't know what to say anymore. And it's one of those things you just keep waiting on the sidelines and, and appreciate, in a way, the sadness of all of, all of it. So, I'm going to put a link in the show notes. Uh, Serenity Coldwell wrote a great piece on iMore calling out Google um, and the kind of the ridiculousness uh, that they are putting themselves in right now. So I'll put that in the show notes so people can go read it. 
Yeah. It's really good. Like they're saying, I, I, I love the headline that Google has made itself a second-class citizen, which is a fantastic way of putting it. Uh, they are, they're making themselves seem worse and worse every day. But yeah. Maybe yeah. they don't care. Maybe they do. If they do care, fix it. This week's episode is brought to you by Ministry of Supply. I love this company and what they do. So this is the thinking behind Ministry of Supply, that we are in a world where our clothes sometimes feel like they're working against us, right? So you're going out every day and you've got your suit on, you've got your shirt on or whatever it is you're doing and it's warm and you're sweating and it's terrible. Your clothes kind of feel like they don't want to work with you, but we shouldn't be in that world now. There's so much technology around us. Our clothing should be smarter. They should be able to adapt to us in motion, right? Because we are people that are on the go all the time, traveling and working and that kind of stuff. This is what Ministry of Supply is all about. This is what drives them. They are a performance professional menswear company. They launched out of MIT four years ago. They're trained engineers, and they wanted to make polished business clothes that provide technical benefits like body temperature regulation, so you don't get too hot or too cold. They wanted to keep you dry with these special sweat-wicking fibers and also have stretchable fabric so you can move freely and be nice and flexible. Ministry of Supply's most tech-forward dress shirt that they make is something called the Apollo. And the Apollo features those moisture-wicking fibers and it's infused with temperature-regulating phase-change material, which is the same stuff that NASA developed to keep astronauts cool in space. So you, in your shirt, will be ready to go into space. You're going to be perfectly fine. It also features a light-knit construction for breathability and a four-way stretch for mobility. Ministry of Supply have done research studies and they have found that this stuff is 15 times more breathable than a cotton dress shirt. All of their clothes are wrinkle resistant. You can wash and dry them at home and you don't need to iron them. It's mad. It's just magical. Like, I love this stuff. Stephen, you've got some Ministry of Supply stuff, right? I do. Uh, and it is hands down my favorite dress shirt because it is really, uh, not only is it super high tech and breathable and nice, but it doesn't look super high tech and breathe like it doesn't look like you're wearing a shirt from the future it doesn't look out of place right you don't look like you're walking around in a spacesuit right I, which i would do for the record mm-hmm. but you don't have to it really is a fantastic shirt i love the way they feel i love the way the stuff looks you should try it out for yourself you can find out more and shop online at ministryofsupply.com slash connected and use the code connected and you'll get 15 percent of your first purchase and show your support for this show but here's the awesome part Ministry of Supply has some retail stores in America. If you walk into a retail store and mention the Connected Podcast, you will get 15% off your purchase in the store as well, which I think is amazing. Thank you so much to Ministry of Supply for supporting this show and Relay FM. Promo codes in brick and mortar stores. That's that is some pretty magic, awesome. <laughs> Why didn't we come up with a secret handshake? Oh, of, yeah. I'll uh, send him an email. Come on, guys. <laughs> Double high five, 15% off. All right. So we've been talking a lot recently um, on this show about connected home stuff, right? It started with you guys talking about um, HomeKit when I was away uh, and then looking at stuff like the Sonos and stuff like that and all these hue lights and things. This is something that is definitely becoming a theme on this show. And I've had, I'm, I'm interested in this stuff and I'm starting to look into it a little bit more. One thing that I wanted is I've been thinking about having some kind of system to keep me connected to my home when I'm away. So a security system of sorts, something that could 
let me see the home, right? So I can see things and see if everything's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe something that could tell me if there's been a fire. You know, like I, these are just you know, the little things that everybody worries about. And I thought, considering how our lives are so different with all this technology right now, why can't I just get something that can tell me all of this stuff so I don't need to worry about it, right? So because I, I'm a weirdo and sometimes like I get into like the, the street where my house is and I turn the corner and I'm like, is the house burned down? Do you guys ever have this feeling? That the house is Just like down? that, yeah. that like one moment no. where you're like, oh, I wonder if the house is burned down. Do you ever no, get this? I, right, I don't well, I get this. house feelings. Right. There are people out there that, that have anxiety problems like I do. And sometimes this is stuff that I think about. So now I have been looking at home security systems. I went to the Apple Store the other day. There's a couple I'm looking at. I've been looking at the Canary and the Nest Cam. And so I went to the Apple Store because um, I was kind of in the mall and I was looking at them. They're about the same price. They were £150. And the Canary really seemed to be more of what I was looking for because it has a bunch of sensors in that the Nest Cam doesn't. The Nest Cam is, is, is more of a home security camera while the Canary is more of a like home security system. So I bought one. It's like a, a tube kind of thing. It's really discreet looking, um, which I like. Uh, and I've put it in my home um, and I'm very happy with it. The setup process was was pretty simple. So it comes with like a power cable and also a yellow um, 3.5 millimeter headphone jack cable, which I was really didn't understand what that was about. So you download the app and what you do is you plug the audio jack cable, like the 3.5 cable into the canary and then into your phone and then that's how they pair initially that's cool really so old-fashioned yeah. Nice. really yeah and it, so it pairs like that and then it's bluetooth connected from then on yeah. but so the, it how, sends it how sends, will you how will you pair with the iphone 7 who, who knows i won't <laughs> I'm, I'm, that's when i have to throw my canary out the window <laughs> or buy like a super expensive adapter but anyway so it does that and then it connects by bluetooth going forward and it was like downloading firmware and that sort of stuff which was cool um, and then you're kind of set up using their application. And so these are the features that I like about the Canary, right? It This isn't an ad, by the way. Canary have been a sponsor on shows. This is not an ad. I have one. And I know that this sounds like an ad right now. <laughs> so like, Let me tell you about the features of the Canary. So this is what I like about it. It has three different modes. Armed, disarmed, and private. So armed is like it will alert you to movement. Disarmed is... It will still collect movement information. It, the camera's still on. The camera's recording when it notices something, but it doesn't alert you to it. And then also private mode. So I have it set to private mode when I'm at home because I don't want the camera collecting things and uploading them to Canary when I'm at home. I just don't want that to happen. That doesn't need to happen. But it has auto mode switching. So when I leave the house, it arms. And it does this by location and Wi-Fi. And when you open the Canary app, so me and Adina both have the app installed. You install the app and then it recognize, It has like your face and a little home icon if you're at home. So it, the, the device knows that you're there. Um, and also as well, like I don't really know too much about this, but Adina was doing more of this sort of stuff. When you look, you can look through video clips and you can train it. So you can say who the people are. So it starts to learn things. And it was pretty cool where one video, we, we had it, I was playing around, one video clip, like Adina went over to it and it collected the clip and we saw it in the timeline and it recognized that it was her, which I thought was pretty awesome. You choose to do this, right? So you're, you're giving it that information. 
you have a camera which you can view in the app. You can just watch it live at any time when it's not in private mode. And then there's a view that's always available which shows you your temperature in the house, your air quality in the house, and the humidity as well, which, you know, it's good to know. The, uh, the, the temperature stuff is just there, but it's there in case there's a fire, right? Like it, it recognizes big changes and mainly it's through motion. So if I'm away and something moves, I'll get a push notification which will tell me there's something in the house. And then there's a button to press an emergency call or to sound a siren that it has. I really want to press this button, but I haven't yet. It's <laughs> Please appa- press the button, Mike, right now. It's a 90 decibel siren. That's crazy loud. Okay. I'm not pressing the button because it's going to terrify everyone. And the idea of it is it's meant to scare people, which I also quite like. So I'm pretty happy with this. They have a great watch app, actually. You can change armed, disarmed, and private in the watch app. And it also shows you a little picture of the last activity that was recognized. I like that. And it has a good widget on the iPhone, which does the same kind of thing. So I'm pretty happy with this system. I'm happy like that I just have something that I can check in on when I'm away. Because uh, I am away quite a lot like on trips and stuff. And just having something that I can just check in on, make sure everything's okay, is good. They have a... They have like... Uh, plans that you have there's like a free plan where i think it keeps like the last day or two of footage and then there's a premium plan which i signed up for which is i think like seven pounds a month or something and it keeps a week of footage so it uploads stuff that's happening when it's in armed mode or disarmed mode and then you can go through the timeline and see the events i think it's pretty cool uh i like that i have it and this for me is like the start of my internet of things thinking at home so that's the canary so what's next for you mike what do you wanna what do you wanna have i want to get some uh some i I don't know who makes them but something like some switches that i can control from my iphone so Uh, i could turn lights on and stuff like lamps yeah Yeah, i was thinking about wemo actually but that's that's probably the next kind of thing that i'm going to look at so there's a there's a couple of home kit options also i think you could consider I'm thinking like if I get anything like this, then if it's good enough and it has HomeKit, then I probably will go with that because, I don't know, HomeKit feels like a thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's more of a safe bet, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I've been using, since my Whiting's home camera uh, broke for some reason last year, uh, I've been using the ManyThing service. Uh, I think we talked about this before. It lets you use an old iOS device as a uh, security camera and it yeah. works okay um the video quality of course it depends on the kind of iphone that you're using and they just released uh, version 4 today which i've been uh, t- testing with the beta it's very very much an improvement uh it's faster so video is really real time at this point it's like mm-hmm. less than a second of a delay when you're streaming oh, live and you can record on motion uh, the the bunch of new options. So yeah, I'm a I'm a happy many things subscriber. But the Canary mic looks really cool. Uh, the problem seems to be I cannot buy one from Italy. Oh. So yeah, I can I cannot buy uh, the Nest Cam either. Uh, hmm. For some reason, they're all they're not available to us Italians. Is there regulation? Uh, that's my only explanation. I don't know. Uh, I have no idea, Mike. Because I, I wonder if, like, mainland continental Europe and the EU stuff, like, privacy and things might make these Could companies be. a little bit more wary. Because 
you know, a lot. If if we didn't have it set to private mode, and you don't have to, right? They, I think they recommend like disarmed anyway. It's just recording us moving around the house. It records sounds as well. Like we, yes, like one of the like when we came in at home one day before it recognized that we were home, it rec- it heard us downstairs and rec- and sort of recorded the motion, which is exactly what I want it to do. But in the same vein, I don't necessarily want all of my life uploaded to their system. Yeah, <laughs> but I like it. I I do really like it. I yeah, recommend it. Yeah, it looks really nice. Uh, Dan Moran really nice. has one, and and I was asking him about it, and he says he thinks it's pretty good. I mean, it's not perfect, but it it just fills the need that that I have, which is I want to check when I'm not at home if my house is burned down or if it's been burgled, and 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 that's what it does for me, and I I like it. Nice, says the canary. Um, the podcast app has now come to the Apple TV. It has. With what is it? There was an update. Like this is now okay. out. Like <laughs> iOS nine dot one dot one. Yeah, I thought it. I thought it was going to be a nine point two because it was in those betas. Yeah. But then it just dropped publicly yesterday, which was strange. It's um, it's very much what you expect from the podcast app that Apple ships on iOS. It is really very similar in the way that it's laid out and some of the shortcomings that they have there exist here as well. I, I don't know. I, I played with it and I'm not, I'm not crazy impressed with it, but, um, mm. but I'm not honestly, I'm not crazy impressed with what Apple does in their first party app anyways. So, so uh, I played around with it a little bit before, uh, we went on the air today and I like the way it looks. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very good looking. It's very nice when you're browsing. The artwork is massive. I really love seeing our shows on my TV, right? The artwork for our shows on, on my TV is real nice. Um, when you select a show and go into the episodes, like it does that thing where it like pulls out the accent color and, and makes the screen that color. Again, I really like that. But And the app is kind of okay, but weird in a lot of places. Like One thing that I noticed that if you leave the app, like the audio keeps playing, right? Which is great. That's kind of what you want. If you hit the pause button, it pauses. If you hit the pause button again, nothing happens. You have to go back into the app to resume playback. Um, there's, it's really difficult to find the uh, the scrubber. You have to kind of like go into the now playing screen, then click the middle button, then move down, and then you can move the scrubber around. Like it just seems really weird, and a lot of the time it's hidden, which doesn't make sense. Like the now playing screen, initially you go to it, and it's just the artwork, and you have to do yeah. things to get the scrubber up. Stephen, yeah. in your piece you mentioned about iCloud Sync not working as well, which for for playback position, which seems kind of weird that you would have like at least now anyway. I think you'd have this right. system; it doesn't work, and I know why it doesn't work because Apple doesn't have a server infrastructure built around podcasts, so. It's not going to work. So if you're 15 minutes into Cortex and you sit your phone down and pick it up on your TV, you have to go figure out how to scrub to get to that 15-minute mark. Yeah. Um, but the, scr- the scrubbing, I think, is a, is a problem. Actually, the initial article I put up said you couldn't scrub because I, mean, I played with it for 25 minutes and couldn't find it. I wouldn't uh, have found it unless I would have seen people telling you how to find it. Yeah, some yeah some people blew me up about it. But uh it's it's only available on now playing, and that's really, like, I agree with you. It looks nice, especially, like, it's nice seeing our artwork really big on the TV, but 
the fact that you've got to go to certain screens to do certain things makes less sense on the TV than it does on iOS. Like if you're on my podcast and you're, you know, I'm on the Cortex page listening to episode of Cortex, I can see with some fiddling, I can see the description and everything, but like, why isn't scrubbing there as well? Like why yeah. can't, what after, why do I have to back out two screens and then over three mm-hmm. to, to go do something like that? Where the Apple TV interface is obviously much bigger than the phone, but you have a remote. Like you can do more stuff than than what you can do on a single iPhone screen, and they, it is still very locked to that sort of feeling that it's it's on a phone. It really feels like more like a port than than anything else. You know the the video stuff on the Apple TV, like the, the TV and the movie shows. There are uh, TV shows and movies. There are problems with those apps on the Apple TV, but at least they feel like they were built for the Apple TV and that they're not just a straight port of the video app from the iPad. But the podcast app feels like it didn't really get a lot of attention. It just kind of got shoved out the door. So it was there and and I hope they improve it. Like I'm glad it's there, but for a a 1.0 it's, it's got some issues. Yeah. I haven't turned on my Apple TV in weeks. Maybe huh. I wanna. I wanted to to try it again a couple of days ago. I went to to my TV station. Let's call it that. Uh, I saw that the HDMI cable was disconnected from the, the Apple TV because I've been doing some rearranging with my video game consoles, and it was too much work to find another cable, and I just gave up. So that's my follow up on Apple TV. I've been using, I think, about my Apple TV about three or four times a week, uh, which is like three or four times a week more than I expected I would. For what, Mike? Uh, I watch... Well, so when I eat my lunch, uh, I usually in the front room, the living room, which is a different room, right? So I'm actually moving around the house. Uh, and that's where the Apple TV is set up with the big TV. And I watch YouTube videos on it. Um, I watch Netflix stuff on it. That that tends to be what I do with it, or I like airplay things to it. That that's my main use case for the Apple TV, mm-hmm. and it works pretty well. The YouTube app's nice, like it's fine, and I'm watching things on the TV instead of just on my iPad all the time. It, well, I mean, you know, it's it's a thing. It, it does a good job, and I, I yeah, watch a yeah. lot of streaming stuff on it, and and it works fine. Um, the one last thing about the podcast app, which I thought was hilarious, I activated Siri and said, "Can you please play the Cortex podcast?" And it just popped up and said, I can't help you with podcasts on your Apple TV. Like, what's why? Like, this is so, this is like, the Apple TV is so half-baked in basically every direction. Nothing feels finished on the Apple TV. Like, nothing. Why can't I search for podcasts? You know I'm doing it, right? When I gave that command, it capitalized podcasts. So it knew what I was asking for, mm-hmm. but it didn't do anything with it. And Siri can do it on the phone. So why can't my Apple TV do it? I, I just don't understand. I, I really cannot understand. You created a hardware button for this, and it can't search most of the stuff that I have or use. I don't get it. Very peculiar to me. Mm. Yeah, it really seems like... you know. There were stories when the Apple TV showed up that the the software had been done for a while, and then it, like the whole thing maybe sat while they were trying to run around and get content deals. And you you, you kind of can't help but think that like a small team got the podcast app together, and then 
it's just disjointed from the rest of the product. And that's really like the word I keep coming back to. Like, and I, I like the Apple TV. It's a huge improvement over the old one. We use ours every day, but it really feels disjointed in places like, like that where, you know, where Siri meets an individual app or some of the app management stuff, like they're changing in the beta, the way the multitasking switcher works and looks like, Hey, who knew there was a multitasking switcher on their TV? Like no one. Uh, because it's just like, it's all just disjointed and funky and there's not, there doesn't seem to be like one cohesive approach to this stuff. Like the buttons don't even make sense. Like menu yeah. and and TV button. Like they, they barely make any sense is like the way that they're set up. And, and, and even Apple's own apps look and work in such different ways that it really feels like there's a, a group of small teams or even individuals working on this as opposed to some big cohesive push and mm-hmm. i hope they can tighten it up i for one like i like podcasts on the tv like even last night spending time with it you know listening to a show on the tv was nice and i hope that third-party apps show up now uh for this because i think it's a good use case and, and obviously as someone who's highly invested in the podcast industry i'm glad that they're there mm-hmm. um visibility is good but it, it could be so much better and uh, hopefully third parties will step in and and around this offering out like I love the overall UI design of the Apple TV. I think it's stunning to look at. And like, what what did I call that thing with the motion? What is that the called? Focus engine. Focus engine. It's fantastic. But it's like they really put a lot of work into the design. But like the functionality and the experience still requires a lot of work. Um, so I've been thinking about this um, about why I I'm not so. Excited maybe about the Apple TV as other people are, and call me old-fashioned, but maybe the the reason why is I just want my smart TV, whether it's from Apple or from Samsung or Google, to be as simple and as traditional as my normal Italian TV, which is at one p.m. there's the news, at eight p.m. there's the news. And at 2 p.m., there's The Simpsons. And I just need to hit <laughs> 5 or 6, and my TV turns on. And I can watch the news. or just I, d- I don't necessarily watch TV as much as I leave TV in the background. It's sort of a, like a fireplace, really. It keeps me company. Especially when we're eating. Me and Silvia, we, we don't necessarily pay attention to the news. But it's nice to have that sort of background and every once in a while we can just glance up and comment on whatever's going on, you know? And all these modern TVs, they all do streaming and apps and games and that's great. But I just want to have... It's like a... Really, it feels like home to me to be able to say, oh, it's 8 p.m., there's the news. And, and I think it's a very Italian thing that a lot of other Italian people can relate to. And I, and I guess it's different if you don't live in Italy. But, you know, at 8 p.m., there's the news on Channel 5 or Channel 1. And all these modern TVs, they don't give you that experience. So Do you have when digital the ta- TV in, in Italy or is it still yeah, analog it's, signal? It is digital, but okay. it's still mapped to these traditional channels. You know, uh, there's a, the, the national television, it's channel one, two, three, and mm-hmm. there's a bunch of extra ones. And then there's like the Berlusconi TV, basically, which is channel five, uh, channel four, five, six, and other ones that you can pay for. Um, but really, it's a very communal, traditional thing to do. Right. And all these modern devices don't let me do that. So 
that's why maybe I'm lukewarm yeah. when it comes to trying them. It's a different TV experience. Yeah. And, and, and it's less kind of a la carte and choosing and more like you get what you get. Yeah. I, you know, maybe I, I think Xbox, uh, the Xbox One tried to have the kind of a, you can have your TV signal come yeah. in and we do an interface for you. And that would yeah. have been nice on the Apple TV, but I cannot do that. I, I actually would love that, you know, to be able to have the great UI of the Apple TV, which I love. But the, you know, the traditional digital TV stream signal coming. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Still, podcasts. That, that's great news, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't test video podcasts, but I assume uh, that they work. Uh, you assume, Mike. I assume. I assume many things. This week's episode is brought to you by Igloo, the internet you actually like, if you are stuck looking at an internet every day, that, that upsets you because it's built from the 90s and you cannot use it on your phone or it's like a horrible web view that you can't even see, right? You have to zoom into everything and things don't work. This is why you need Igloo. Igloo has been built to be responsive. It works on all devices. It's built so it can be configured really easily by you or anybody who wants to manage the internet in your company. It's built so you can add different functionality for different teams. It's built so you can have task lists, so you can have status updates, so you can have everything that you're used to on the web, like commenting and, and app mentions and all that. You want all that built into your in intranet so it's just the way that you like it. That's why you need Igloo. They believe in being mobile. They believe in being with the times, right? So when you use your Igloo intranet, it just feels regular to you because they embrace technologies that you're used to. They integrate with services like Box, Google Drive, and Dropbox. This is to make sure that all of your company data is kept safe. It stops people from taking documents and using them on different platforms. It's built so you're able to work from wherever you want to be. It's totally mobile, but totally secure. They have 256-bit encryption, single sign-on, and Active Directory integration built right into their system to give everything safe and secure. They also have read receipts built into their document collaboration engine so you can have all files uploaded to Igloo. People can download files. They're all working on the same one. And if you have something that everybody in the company needs to see, you can use your read receipts to make sure that everybody's seen it rather than having to walk around the office with a pen and paper ticking people's names off of a list, which they used to do in my old workplace. It's time to break away from the internet that you hate. Go and sign up for Igloo right now. You can try it out for free of any team of up to 10 people for as long as you want sign up right now at igloosoftware.com slash connected thank you so much to igloo for their support of this show and really fm iphone 5se um me and jason were talking about this on upgrade yesterday but i'm really interested to know what you guys think about this potential new iphone 5 uh the special edition <laughs> Stephen, does the name invoke some kind of beautiful nostalgia for you, or no? It didn't for Jason. No, I mean the the SE, of course, was a great Mac, of which I have two, I think. But yeah, uh, of course, uh, you know, it's uh, one doesn't work. One actually, last time I powered it on, blew up a little bit. It's fine. Mm -mm. All, all the smoke came out. <laughs> iPhones do that sometimes. Do they? Yeah, probably. So. I mean the the bigger thing with the name for me like five SE is fine whatever but my my big question about this product is is this a small iPhone success or is it a updated iPhone five S and the the difference I think really is in not 
only the way Apple treats it, but the way that it's potentially viewed. So the latest rumor says it's going to have A9 and M9 chip with Siri and Apple Pay and, and, and live photos, all the stuff that we've come to expect from the iPhone 6S and 6S Plus, but in a in a case that looks not unlike the 5S, maybe with some design tweaks. But that phone's going to look old, and that's with the 6S you know, being now, but with the 7, assumedly around the corner, I think it's really going to look old. And is that of Apple some way of punishing people who buy smaller phones? Like it just, the, the case designation and the name designation makes it feel older than it is. And I wonder why Apple's doing that. And if, if people are going to notice or if people are going to, to care about that, because a lot of phone buying, not the way we buy phones, because we buy phones in the middle of the night, uh, with with the Apple Store app, but a lot of people go into a store and buy a phone, and it is something that uh, Samsung and other phone manufacturers have really done well at making their phones look good in stores, and, and Apple's caught up with that. But if you go and you're looking at these phones and you see this old one that looks like the phone you already have, then I, I just wonder if it's going to be a compelling purchase. Like, like take Adina, for example. She has a, a 5S, I believe, and would assumingly, you know, want to upgrade, I think is what what uh, you and Jason spoke about, Mike. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's going to, if it looks the same as her old phone, like that's, that's a thing. That's a thing people care about. And yep, uh, that is a very curious choice. I wonder with this device, if the issue is going to be that. I, I agree with you that like at a fundamental level, people want new things. But the five inch phone exists because people have small hands right or they have preferences for small devices like that's why like apple is not getting rid of it and they're not saying to people oh you have to go to the the big phones um and above is it 5 inch or 4 inch it's 5 inch right 5 inch yeah yeah so it, i would say that it exists now because there is a need for people who want a smaller phone or need a smaller phone so if they do anything to update it it's better Right, and it's just kind of like I'm not buying this because I love the way it looks. I'm not buying this because it's brand new. No, wait, new. It, it, it's uh, a four-inch iPhone. Four-inch, definitely four-inch. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I knew I was saying something wrong. The yeah, f- it's an iPhone five size, but it's a four-inch four iPhone. Yeah, you just get me Apple every time. Yeah, with your numbers. <laughs> uh, so the four-inch phone, as we have established, um, c- because those people need that phone. It's a it is a like function over form scenario for them, right? It's like, I don't like the way this looks. This looks old, but I need a new phone because mine is slow or the battery's crapped out. Or, you know, I want these new features like Apple Pay in my phone. And the only choice that I have is the small one. So as long as they do, and what I expect we're going to have here is some small cosmetic tweaks. The way that I envision this is, the back of it is the iPhone 5. The front of it is curved glass, right? They just get rid of the chamfer on the front. Um, that's kind of how I imagine this thing looking. And that's just kind of what it is. And it's like, this is the phone for the people that need that. And they'll just keep making that for as long as they want to. Yeah. It, I mean, I, I agree with you that I think that does make a, a, a bit of sense, especially from the technology and sort of infrastructure standpoint that Apple cares so much about from an operation standpoint. I think it makes sense. And I think the, I think the danger is though, and I think, I think people like us are guilty of this. People who spend time, you know, the tech press 
it is really easy for us to sort of write off people who want a smaller phone with people who have like a, no desire for the latest and greatest, right? So the, take somebody who wants a small phone. It's like it's easy to write that 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 consumer off as someone who just um they're stuck in their ways. There, yeah, yeah, or like yeah, or like doesn't like oh it's fine like you know you know maybe they're still holding on to a four or something and that's like that's why that may be true for some people it's not true for everyone and i think that's a a a, a box you can put people in they don't deserve because uh, their decision making isn't that way there are people who just want a smaller phone and i like that apple is saying you know or that this rumor is saying at least that this phone will be modern uh, at least for a while and that you know if they go with an A8 it's it's already going to be a year behind and September would be 2 years behind so i like that it is to a degree modern but i think they could push that further and really release a 6s mini or whatever you want to call it where it is the it is modern in the design and the spec uh but it is smaller and i think if they really want to push that they could update it yearly like i have no doubt the 5sc is going to go you know, another year and a half or two years without being updated because even Apple has a tendency to put people who want a smaller phone um, to put them behind in the technology. Yeah. You you can still go buy a, a four inch phone now, but it's old and they have not proven that, that they're, you know, unwilling to break those two things apart. And I, I just, that always comes up in my mind in thinking about this, that there are people who want something modern and new and powerful, but also small. And I think the answer there is a success mini where they have, you know, a new four inch 4.7 and 5.5 every year. And yes, it's a lot of phones and a lot of SKUs and Apple already has a lot of phones and a lot of SKUs, but if the demand is there, then, then why not? And and maybe the d- demand's not there. Apple knows better than I do, of course, but it's something to think about. I think. I agree completely. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. you're, you're kind of, putting people who want a smaller phone into a box, right? And you're yeah. like, you guys are behind now. You will always be behind. Um, right. And and it's it's kind of like a weird exclusionary thing when the reason people like those phones is because you made them in the first place. You made your phones that size. You made the decision to go larger. And then you recognize that there is a market for it because you keep trying new things, right? This isn't the 5C2. This is a brand new thing from what it looks like. So keep trying new things. I know the market's there, but whilst this is a better step forward potentially than the 5C was, because it was basically just we're going to put another color on it, right? Um, they're actually putting some new technology into this thing. It's still not up to date, and basically this will be out for like four or five months maybe before they show off the 7, which will have whatever new stuff it has. And then the 5SE is, doesn't even have false touch, right? It's like behind, behind, behind. The only counter-argument I can think about is whether if Apple were to decide to go with three iPhones every year, if maybe innovation would be slowed down by having to come up with ways to offer the same features yep. in the smaller iPhone. Makes sense. Makes sense. Or it would just end up getting completely confusing, right? Because they'd be like, well, we can't do this in this one, so this yep. feature is only there. So I see that that thinking. Because in a, in an ideal world, it would be, okay, it's the same iPhone. Mm-hmm. Every single model does the same things. You just need to pick a size. Yep. Because, I mean, we've seen that that's already the case, right? They can't put optical image stabilization in the 6. Yeah. Because for whatever reason, so... It's already not possible. 
and I cannot imagine with another iPhone how much the differences would increase. So in yeah. ideally, it would be great. In practice, history kind of proves us wrong. So I guess we'll see what happens. I don't understand the 5SC name. I like it. Special edition. I feel like I'm in a real small club in the fact that I yes. like this name. Yes, you are. Yeah. It's one of my weirdness things. Yes, uh, you should make a sticker about that. Um, <laughs> really, iPhone 6S Mini would just make more sense to me. Uh, but maybe Mike will be right once again. Well, the fact that they're calling it the 5SE tells me that it's going to look a lot like the 5. Yeah. But did you see the leaked uh, picture? That's No way that's real. It's uh, There was a photo on 9 to 5 Mac about basically a small iPhone 6S. Uh, what I found interesting is that um, on t- I saw someone on Twitter, um, maybe it was um, Abdel Ibrahim, uh, he, he found a picture that the same guy that shared uh, this uh, iPhone 5SE picture a couple of years ago also shared the leaked photo of the first iPad Air. So, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, my problem with that picture is I don't know why they would move the power button to the side on a uh, on a four inch phone. But yeah, yeah. E- either way, it's interesting, and, and we really haven't seen Apple blend designs before. Like, if if this is what's going on, the closest thing we've seen is the five C, which was kind of like the uh, five, and then kind of like a three G, three GS. You know, it's ideas from both but if this picture is correct then apple's marketing team need to try and understand why they're calling this a 5se yeah that's why i i told yeah. you that if if this is a, a real photo that doesn't make any <laughs> sense at all because no. it is looks just like the six it's even got the lines the antenna lines designed the same that that would be insanity right <laughs> like well, why would they be doing that if that's the case I really need a good reason for why this is the 5SE and not, not the 6 Mini or something else. Like, Or just call it like the 6SE or the 6C or whatever you want to call it. That doesn't make any sense to me. Because what does the 6 have that is more than the 5? What does, what does the iPhone 6 have? It has curved glass, right? It has Apple Pay. What else mm-hmm. does it have feature-wise? Um, Do you know? Can better you camera? Yeah, right, and they're saying there's going to be a better camera in it, right? Potentially. Yeah, I mean, the Force Touch stuff on the new ones. Yeah, but that's what I mean. So that's why you wouldn't call it like the 6S Mini. You call it the 6 Mini. Yeah. I just cannot understand why would Apple introduce the iPhone 5 design again in 2016. It just seems odd to me. That is a good point. This is, this is starting to become a little bit more confusing than I had initially <laughs> uh, bargained on. Um. I yeah, now I don't understand what's going on. I can't work this out <laughs> because there doesn't really now, like saying there doesn't really seem to be any route that this kind of makes sense. Like if you bring it out and it looks like the six, why are you calling it the five? And if it looks like the five, why are you still making that? <laughs> why, <laughs> yeah. Because the five C right was different. So why yeah. are you not going down that route? Why are you going back to the way the five it was? All right, okay. Part of me still kind of wants a 5C. Like, I, I still see those colors sometimes. And 
Oh, I love it. I love the design of that thing. It's... I'm surprised, Stephen, that you don't own all of the colors. Yeah, the that 5C. is a surprise. I own zero old iPhones. I always sell them to bankroll the new ones. You've been slacking. I know. See, you're going to regret that because you're buying all these old iPods now. You already had the iPhone collection and you're just letting them go. Ten years from now, you will be making old iPhone purchases on eBay, mm -hmm. and you will regret the fact that you didn't keep them around right now. It's true. I've had this exact train of thought, gentlemen. <laughs> I, bet, I bet you had it with the iPods too, though, right? Like, I bet you had all the mm -hmm. ones and you got rid of them. I only had a handful of iPods. I mean, I, I had the third gen and then the fifth gen and then the classic, basically. So, you know, I just bought a U2 iPod because reasons and uh i never owned one of those so. that's one of those things that i pushed you to buy <laughs> you should make a video about it yeah yeah that's that's my new uh excuse i was to make a video out of it so that's what i've told uh told andrew so gotta say man that harry potter one that like instantly blew a memory back into my brain that harry potter collector's ipod yeah my brain like it was locked away somewhere in there and as soon as I saw that image, I was like, oh, I remember that. <laughs> I had totally forgotten about it. And I, I sent uh, Jason. So sometimes I run this stuff by Jason because he was around doing adult things and all this stuff happened. And uh, he didn't have any recollection of it either. And then someone replied to my blog post about like all these crazy signature editions for a while. Uh, you can have like Madonna signature. I remember that too. Engraved. Mm-hmm. Craziness. Uh, the Harry Potter iPod is nowhere to be found. If, dear listener, if you have one, and even if you would let me photograph it, please let me know because I like to get my hands on one. And they are, I mean, I've looked high and low since discovering that this was a thing. And uh, you're no not going to find it. I can't imagine they sold many of them. Like they were really on sale, like eight or nine months, best I can tell. It's actually really hard to tell from the Wayback Machine when they stopped being for sale, but. Not very long. I don't think they did very well. But anyways, so there's a link in the show notes about that. Um, so yeah, so I guess we will see soon enough if the uh, the iPhone 5SE is real. Maybe it'll have a Harry Potter edition. You never know. <laughs> iPhone 5 Harry Potter. Yeah. iPhone 5 HP. <laughs> Maybe there's good. No, you, you got to think about modern uh, trends. Maybe there will be like a Snapchat edition of, oh, the, right, of yeah. the new iPhone. Or like a... Or, uh, like a what are the kids into these days? What's I don't the new know. Harry Potter? Do you see how me and Stephen both were like, uh, I couldn't think of anything. Like, I don't know. What, yeah. I don't know. What are the kids like? They like their, I don't know, their Star uh, Wars, Star Minecraft, Wars, <laughs> drugs. Their Mocking Jay. What is that? Hunger Games. Like, Hunger Games. I, <laughs> I like that Stephen said, Stephen said drugs. <laughs> All right. Yep. iPhone 5 Ecstasy Edition. Yeah. <laughs> wow. You started it. Oh. What do you want me to do? So who's been DJing? Here, with oh, Garage, Garage Band. Band, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> speaking, speaking of clubbing and and you know that sort of thing, drugs. Uh, <laughs> Apple have been a bit crazy so far this year, right? Like they're doing a bunch of like really weird things. Like they, we had the 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 beta, and then there's like oh, randomly on one weekday, here is an, a massive update to Garage Band, which we showed you a long time ago, and a new little weird app called Music Memos. Yeah. So I was totally not expecting this. So last no. week was on Wednesday, maybe. Um, there was this new app called uh, Music Memos. I still get confused. I want to call it Music Notes. Uh, but it's called Music Memos. It's really a combination of voice memos. Music and, Notes is a way better name. Yes. Mm -hmm. And basically lets you uh, record a quick musical idea 
Apple recommends that you either play an acoustic guitar or the piano. Um, and it, then it'll save your idea. You can tag it, you can organize it, you can export it, share it. But the, the main feature would be you can have a bass and uh, drum lines uh, automatically placed by the app uh, on top of your track. So it feels like you can get an idea of what the song would sound like in a studio. And the, the app does that by having like an intelligence system that recognizes the, the beat and the, and the chords and the tempo and all of that, and then uses the drummer and uh, the, the bass player, basically. Here's my thing about this app, right? This is really cool. Yes. Right? The, the, the features seem really awesome. But this is about as niche as you can get, right? This isn't yes. just people that like music or make music. This is people for people that write songs. It for is a living. <laughs> built by Apple. It is a first-party application for people who write music. That is so peculiar. Like, GarageBand is like... Has a bunch of different things you can do. It's fun to play with, right? You can give it to a kid and it's like, play the guitar. Like, you know, it's just like yeah. whatever. You can play the keyboard. This is like a specifically built application yeah. so you can write music. Yeah, I mean, after music memos, I feel it's legitimate to wonder when Apple will make blogger memos or <laughs> Twitter drafts. It's funny, but like, why, why not? Like, you're entering into <sighs> this niche. Why not other niches, right? It, it looks to me like one of those passion projects from Apple that someone yeah. really wanted to do. And especially, uh, I, I'm pretty sure uh, that since the Taylor Swift and uh, Ryan Adams interview from last year, when they both said uh, we used the Notes app to, and voice memos on our iPhones to save new song ideas, huh. someone must have noticed because the interview was pretty much you know, going around on Twitter and blogs. Huh. That's a good and call. Yep. Someone must have noticed, and they were like, let's make this, you know, like a small project, and it'll make people happy, it'll be useful, we can put it on the App Store, it's not a built-in app, and we'll see what happens. Worst case scenario, uh, it's going to be like uh, like the old uh, Cards app that Steven loved. Man, uh, I used that Cars app a bunch. Like, that was so great for Christmas. Did you really? Yeah. I was, that's how I would send, like, birthday and Christmas cards to, to relatives. Wow. You've always been that guy. Look, using it's so software. easy, right? Like, I could upload a picture yeah. Yeah, of yeah. me and, like, my brothers or whatever, and I could send a letterpressed card for, like, three pounds to my grandma. Nice. I worked with a guy for a long time, and he and I would just send each other cards, like, just <laughs> randomly. That's a dream job right there. Like, uh, I sent him one. We were in a meeting, and I took a picture of him, like, without him, like, you know, like, sneaky cam, and then I mailed it to him. <laughs> Times. Uh, I, think, wow. I think it is niche, but I think that that's fine. Like, I think Apple, there's a long history of Apple caring about music, and I think that... Um, they've lost some ground there a little bit, like especially in the music industry, maybe, uh, uh, to some other tools and utilities. And I think they want to, I think they want to be the place where you go to create like whatever and not just in the studio, but I mean, the idea of music memos is you like banging out a song idea on a guitar, just, you know, in your kitchen or whatever. And it's real low friction, like easy to use. Um, I think that's great. Like, I think it's, I think it's great. It's not for me. I don't have that need, but it's for people who do, I think it's going to be a pretty valuable tool. I mean, even just seeing people like on Twitter 
you know, follow musicians like talking about this is like really like I really do just use voice memos and now I can get all this extra stuff. And I think that's great. It's um I think I do have concern like like the carts thing where small iOS applications written by Apple, even small Mac apps written by Apple have a tendency to collect dust. Like this one guy was really passionate and wrote it and then he got transferred or went to Google or something. And then maybe, maybe the, the music memos guy will, will become a musician and he will leave Apple because of music memos will help him write the next hit song. Yeah. <laughs> uh, remember when Apple made a poker game for the app store? Yeah. <laughs> good time they had it on the ipods before that it was great uh yeah so that sort of thing right these like little projects generally don't do super well at apple long term and that so that's always concerning it's always what i think about like, they release these like one-off apps of like this is gonna be really cool for two years and then you know ios 11 and the iphone 8 will break it and <laughs> game over but until then or, or you know maybe forever i think this is a great tool if you need it uh, so yeah, so I think it's I think it's exciting to see them do little projects like this. I think it's great. Uh, GarageBand. So the big thing here, aside from kind of like UI refresh and stuff like that, is something called Live Loops. Can one of you succinctly explain what Live Loops is? I cannot. I really don't understand what's going on. I tried it. I don't know what's going I, on. I like played with it, and it's really amazing. Right, you can choose like different music styles, and then it presents you with a bunch of just like preset loops, and you can play them at any time. So you can just click them and change the loops that you want to play, and kind of build a strange song and add more in. And it, there was an app many years ago; it's probably still around that I played with called Fruity Loops. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of Fruity Loops? It's like so. a. I- I've played with similar apps like this. So maybe that was one of them. It was like a uh, an application just like this. It has um, it, it has like loops, and you can just put them in all, in little blocks and make a song out of it. Right. So what's what's special about about this and GarageBand is that Apple's doing all the heavy lifting to ensure that everything stays in time with each other. So you can drag new drum kits or drum machines or know all the whole library of loops basically and you can change the pitch and the speed and everything and you can rearrange them and you can select different ones but GarageBand itself is making sure that everything plays in time and to keep it all in the same beat and so you can really experiment with the sound itself and not have to necessarily know a lot about the time signature or something else in the song where GarageBand just handles it for you which is fun I mean I played around with it uh, with my oldest son actually the drum and bass mode is amazing. I yeah, love it. And it's it's like it is fun. Like I, I you know, it's uh, there's a um, there's a learning curve to a lot of stuff in GarageBand and especially in Logic, but not with this because you're you're literally just dragging boxes around and yep. like turning them on and off. And uh, it, it's just a it's a fun way to put something together. And you know, I'm not gonna write the next. Um, uh, EDM hit in here, but it's uh, it's fun to play with, and I think. Like music memos, I think that's great. Like it's Apple's good at making this stuff simple and and quite honestly fun to to use. Steven, so. you can you can totally be the next Skrillex. Just yeah. put together some sound effects from the 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 sounds of the old Macintoshes 
and uh, have some dubstep effects mm -hmm. and you can write uh, a dubstep uh, Macintosh song. Yeah. Uh, a long time ago, before Mike fired me from this, uh, mm -hmm. I used to do all the or a lot of the intro music to our podcast. And so, if you go way back and listen to some of that stuff, including the prompt music, uh, that's also fine yep. in GarageBand because all I know how to make in GarageBand is techno. Like, I was going to say, the, the reason you don't do it anymore is because we don't need techno everywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I need a techno <laughs> song, I'll come to you. <laughs> so, there's that. Last thing today, because. Me and Federico have to talk about this. Yes, a game we called do. Crashlands. Oh my god! Crashlands came out oh. this week. It's on iOS. It's on Android. It's on Windows. It's on the Mac. First thing, which is amazing, is the game like process syncs across all of those platforms. Yep. It's a company called Butterscotch Studio. Uh, Butterscotch, Butterscotch Shenanigans, yeah. and they have created their own syncing service. Yeah. Which is just. First off, that's incredible. Same game on all platforms. Yeah. It is a story-driven crafting yes. RPG. Yeah. That's the way it's crafting described. action RPG, I would say. Yeah. There is, yeah. it's like you tap to move around your little character, you fight things by tapping on them, you collect resources, you can use those resources to craft things. There are like paths and missions that you have to go on. And it's written so well. It's really funny. It looks fantastic. I am addicted to Crashlands. Yes. Uh, I was telling Mike uh, I have a problem. I think Mike has too. It's a good yeah. problem. The game is I've fantastic. Put, it has like a progress thing. I've played the game for 11 and a half hours since it came out on Friday morning. Uh, I want to explain why this game grabs me, grabs me so much. Um, I feel like whenever I heard uh, it's a crafting game in the past, I've always been kind of skeptical, you know, because when I think of crafting, and of course, you know, Minecraft comes to mind, but also games like uh, Terraria or on, on iOS, I, I'm pretty sure it was Junk Jack, maybe. Um, whenever I hear crafting, I think about this inscrutable interface. I don't understand what understand what's going on. And the game just drops me in this procedurally generated land and it's like okay whatever you're on your own we don't give you any instructions you gotta figure out on your own you can craft items and once you figure it out it's pretty great but for now we don't care and so when i started playing minecraft it's a huge success but it's probably not necessarily for me because my you know, I, I gotta work, I got a lot of stuff to do, I'm a busy person, and Mike, of course, is probably busier than me. Um, and it's always a problem when games like that, at least for me, uh, don't give me anything to get started. Don't. I, I don't want to say that the game plays itself for me, but, you know, to have a guide, to have, like, a story, or to mm -hmm. have boundaries, to have constraints helps me move forward because I feel like I can make sense of the game. And in Crashlands, it's exactly that. So it's not a... They don't unlock the entire world for you right away. You have constraints uh, with the story, uh, with the items that you can craft, but there's a sense of progress. And this game speaks to the RPG fan in me because it shows me progress for my character 
it allows me to craft better items that have a direct measurable effect thanks to statistics and numbers. And what I like the, about the crafting is it shows you exactly what you need exactly. to make it, and you can even track it on the screen. So as yes. you're walking around the world, you know when you've got enough. In terms of mechanics and interface and map design, this game is essentially perfect, I would say, for yeah. my taste, yeah. because the crafting is exactly what I want it to be. It tells me what I need, it tells me if it's a resource, which kind of items drop that specific resource. But then it's up to me to explore and collect and do the actual job. But the interface tells me what I have to do. And so if, you, if you've always, I would say, if you've always been kind of put off by the idea of a crafting game because it takes too much effort or too much time, I seriously recommend playing Crashlands uh, be, because it tells you what you need to do, but then it's up to you and you have freedom, you know, to wander around like I did for two days, uh, to ignore the story, uh, do sub-quests or, you know, just care about the items and the killing enemies. Uh, but there's, you know, there's a, some constraints that help you, you know, not waste any more time and not have this like huge obstacle, which is this huge game in front of you. It, it's more of a gentle guide and it just plays with my brain so, so well. It's superb. It's, and I love playing it on my iPad with the pencil because it's like a game where you tap things. Playing with the pencil is brilliant. Yeah. Love this yeah, game. Um, I'm really excited about this game, yeah. and uh, it's a paid game on on the iOS App Store. Three ninety nine or something like that in pounds. There's no, at least that I can see, no in-app purchases. No, nope, none. So it's a paid game, old school. Uh, there maybe the only downside is there. There's no support for game controllers for now. Maybe. Yeah. Could be. I, I see that the guys are working on an update. It's like a tap-to-click game, right? Game control support might not be that comfortable. Yeah, yeah. if they ever do a traditional analog stick uh, control system, uh, I'm sure they will consider the idea. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's in the top charts of the App Store. Lots of people are liking it. Uh, there's already uh, a lot of uh, Let's Play videos on YouTube. If you want to get an idea, go to YouTube and search for Clashlands uh, Let's Play. And But yeah, uh, it's uh, currently... It, it is my jam, as people yeah, would say. Me too. You just got to try it because it's yeah. amazing. Yes. If you want to find the show notes for this week's episode, head on over to relay.fm slash connected slash 75. If you want to find us online, there's a few places you can do that. You can find Federico over at maxstories.net. You can find Stephen at 512pixels.net. And sometimes I'm at mikewasright.com. <laughs> you want to find it's, us on exactly. Twitter. <laughs> Federico is at Vatici, B-I-T-I-C-C-I. Stephen is at ISMH, and I am iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Thanks again to Ministry of Supply and Igloo for sponsoring this week's episode. But most of all, thank you for listening. Until then, say goodbye, guys. Arrivederci. Adios.